This is essential. 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 This is essential audio. Hello and welcome to the Walk Podcast. My name is David Tiltman, and today we're looking at customer retention. We want to share three key findings from the recent Walk Guide to Retention, and here to help us is Anna Hamill, our senior editor for Brands, who led that report. So, Anna, before we get into it, why was it important to cover retention as a topic now? Hi, David. So, research from Gartner indicated that more than 70% of marketing leaders plan to prioritise retention in 2021. So this sentiment represents a real sea change in conventional thinking in the industry. And also I think it's indicative of the enormous impact that COVID-19 has had on business as usual. Brands in a lot of categories saw new users come into their business in 2020 as those shopping habits were disrupted. And of course, they're now keen to keep hold of those new customers. There's a quote from Steve Axe, who is the CMO of Nomad Foods, a UK frozen foods brand, which owns the iconic brand Birdseye. Uh, and that quote really stuck with me. The company says that three years of penetration growth happened in the first three months of the pandemic. And in recent months, retention rates have more than doubled at Nomad Foods. His quote is, talking to these people, nudging them to go and repeat buy, is suddenly a much more attractive proposition than just trying to refill the leaky bucket. Nomad Foods is far from alone in that view. And it's clear that after years of being out of fashion, retention is back on the agenda in the post-COVID world. So as you say, that's potentially controversial given that best practice is to focus on penetration uh, rather than, than retention or loyalty. So is that a good place to start looking at the guide? Right, so the first point um, I want to make is exactly that debate about acquisition and retention. You're right that it can be controversial, but it's well-established fact in the marketing world, thanks to work from the Ehrenberg Bass Institute, among others, that it is acquisition that drives long-term brand growth rather than retention. We have deliberately not used the term loyalty because that has certain associations within the industry. We've talked about customer retention in the sense of encouraging repeat purchases. So we're not telling people to move away from acquisition marketing? No, we're not. The reality is that acquisition versus retention is not a binary conversation, but more of a balancing act for all brands. Today's retention conversation covers a whole host of different areas, from omnichannel to social media communities, to search, customer lifetime value models, data, digital transformation, and rewards programs, just to name a few. There's an important point to make here though. A new article from the Ehrenberg Bass Institute in this Walk Guide to Customer Retention tells us that the same tactics which boost acquisition also play an important role in boosting customer retention. Dr. Kelly Vaughan and Alicia Barker at the Ehrenberg Bass Institute told us about how brands can use these acquisition tactics to boost customer retention in a recent Q&A for Walk. So when we think about loyalty versus acquisition, marketers often consider these as two separate levers on a big marketing machine. So one lever is an acquisition lever that increases the penetration of non-customers buying our brand. And the other lever is a loyalty lever. This retains customers or reduces the number of customers that defect from our brand. The double jeopardy law shows that pulling the loyalty lever more than the acquisition lever will not have a significant impact on growth. This is because loyalty is shown to be a function of brand size 
And no matter how many resources you, you put into loyalty tactics, it would be challenging to get current customers to buy more of a product or service than they actually need. Pulling the acquisition lever more than the loyalty lever is shown to be much more impactful for growth as it's far easier to get many customers to buy you once. So for example, we will probably find it a much easier process to get 10 people to buy one box of cereal than one person to buy 10 boxes. So what's the ideal balance between both? Well, this thinking assumes that there are specific activities that retain customers and specific activities that acquire customers, or in other words, the levers are independent of each other. However, focusing on acquisition by, for example, creating a TV advert will reach both current customers and non-customers of your brand. If it's well-branded, it will help to establish memory structures in non-customers, while also reminding your current customers that your brand exists, hereby helping to retain them by increasing the propensity that they will remember you the next time you buy from the category. On the other hand, focusing on your existing buyers, like through loyalty programs or having discounts for bulk purchases, is more likely to only affect your current buyers with no or minimal impact to the majority of non-buyers out there. So from Double Jeopardy and a great deal of other research on consumer behavior, we know that the best strategy is actually to focus on acquisition strategies that aim to increase the number of non-customers buying your brand. As retention, we'll follow on from these tactics. Great, so what's the second area that the guide explores? The next one is, I think, really important, and that's retention in online environments. E-commerce is changing the way brands think about customer retention, especially given the huge number of new online shoppers from throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. The first point I would make is that search is, of course, hugely important in e-commerce environments. On Amazon, for example, brands are implementing paid search strategies which help ward off their competitors and capitalize on common searches within their category. Secondly, the online brand experience, customer services and logistics help determine retention in online environments. Shoppers expect the quality of a physical retail experience matched with the convenience of their mobile phone and brands which fail to meet these expectations risk losing those repeat purchases from these consumers. So what about subscriptions? I mean, that's growing as a way of retaining customers, isn't it? Yes, uh, we are seeing more brands interested in subscriptions. It's been a really hot topic in the industry over the last 18 months or so, and also in forms of membership as well. Uh, Nike is a really good example here. Uh, its digital offering is growing at 80% year on year as per Q2. And I think crucially, a really good statistic here is that it added more than 70 million shoppers as members over the course of the pandemic. So those members get access to exclusive product launches, access to live streams, rewards and discounts. So there are really good incentives for people to join the membership program and keep buying. So should we expect to see more brands going down this road? Well, lots of brands are definitely looking at this area. It's been a hot topic over the last 18 months or so. For example, Kraft Heinz launched its Heinz at Home subscription service uh, during the pandemic. For most product brands, though, this will be a niche play, but it does help generate that first-party data, which is hugely useful to any brand. Subscriptions, though, aren't necessarily a silver bullet, and not every product or service will be the right fit. Products with short purchase cycles, for example, are best positioned for success. 
It's also worth noting that marketplaces such as Amazon are building subscription services for their sellers, particularly for those smaller brands. As part of the walk guide, we spoke to Danny Silverman from Spotlight to explain how Amazon's subscribe and save offer works for brands. Subscribe and save is an important tool for brands selling on Amazon via vendor or seller central for products with an annual consumer purchase cycle of two or more per year because it locks Amazon shoppers into a product potentially indefinitely. The program offers Amazon customers discounts starting at 5% for subscribing to enrolled products with deeper discounts sometimes offered as part of promotions. Amazon customers save even more by grouping subscription deliveries into five or more at a time, and by doing this, the discount often rises from 5 to 15%. It also helps Amazon with profitability, which can help with joint business planning discussions between the brand and Amazon. Subscriptions themselves can be set up from two weeks to up to six months apart. We estimate that in high-velocity categories, anywhere from 25 to 45% of category revenue comes from subscriptions. Therefore, we always recommend subscribe and save as a pillar of any brand's customer retention strategy on Amazon in categories where it makes sense. Great. So what's the final area from the guide we should explore? I think we should talk about loyalty programs and how they might adapt for the digital world we live in. This builds on that point about first-party data. So data now fuels every part of the purchase cycle and loyalty programs, if they're designed well, are positioned to generate a huge amount of that useful customer data. Data is also the lifeblood of any customer lifetime value model, especially in a world where those consumer behaviours are shifting really quickly. So firstly, the best loyalty programs are data-led and integrated across the business, not just the marketing department. Secondly, social commerce and gamification are major opportunities to drive redemptions. For example, in China, KFC is using an AI solution to gamify and drive repeat purchases. So you mentioned customer lifetime value a moment ago. How does that come in? In the Walk Guide to Customer Retention, we explore ways to build a customer lifetime value model, which is both resilient and adaptable. Having as much high quality data as possible will allow a single customer view which offers insights into buyer behaviours over the long term. In their recent webinar on customer lifetime value for the Walk Guide, Moises Cohen and Lisa Thomas from Kantar especially note the importance of data integration into that customer lifetime value model and how this can benefit brands with smarter consumer insights. A lot of the insights that we're going to get from uh, customer lifetime value program will serve as inputs and as strategies for an effective personalization and next best action program. We believe that understanding who are the valuable customers and what drives value is going to also help be more targeted in our messaging, be able to target the right messages to the right customers based on where, where they are in, in the journey and what is important to them. Uh, we feel that we can also optimize the way that we engage and we care for customers uh, in order to improve their experience uh, with the brand. And when it comes to retention, we believe we can be more relevant and more informed in the types of retention strategies that we have, as well as opportunities to present new offers and products across our ecosystem. I think for the customer, I think the, the measure in how customers see that we're using data 
uh, to benefit their experience, the, the more open customers tend to be in sharing data. So I think this includes seeing that they're getting unique experiences based on the relationship they have with the brand. I think that's something that is a benefit for customers, the types of rewards and offers that are personalized to what they're interested in and that they feel that when they're talking to the brand, uh, they're being heard. These are benefits that you know, hopefully customers can leverage from us having a well-developed and set up uh, customer lifetime value program. So thank you to Anna for sharing those ideas. This is just a taster, of course. Walk subscribers can read more in the Walk Guide to Customer Retention. Thanks for listening.